I'm Austin Mutie Muse. I wrote a book called I Used to Be in Pictures. I'm Howard Mutie Muse. I'm Austin's slightly younger brother by five minutes. Leafy Surrey was where it all began. The story of the story is almost more fantastical than any plot of the films these people were in. Young twin teenagers from quaint Surrey writing fan letters to movie stars across the pond and movie stars who were a generation older than our grandparents. You know, they were in their 90s in the 1980s and uh, they hadn't made a movie for some of them since the advent of sound. We, we, Howard and I would come home from school and our mates would be watching Neighbours and we'd be watching Howard Lloyd or Flash Gordon. Our friends and our, and our peers expected the twins to do something different. Yeah, by way of letter writing, we, uh, we opened this whole world of, um, of lost Hollywood. We found, we found Lillian Gish's address first. We found her address in the local library in the Who's Who of America. And she, uh, she wrote back three weeks later. And we were really excited by it. We just didn't imagine she would reply. And we put her age on the bottom of the letter and she was startled by that, I think. And Lillian put us in touch with her contemporaries. And the stories and the letters made way for the, for the journey to California for the first time in, in 1992. I remember arriving in Los Angeles for the first time and jumping in a hire car and then driving through Hollywood and seeing the Hollywood sign. And there was a, there was a skipped heartbeat. There was a smell of, of traffic, but there was a smell of orange blossom. And I remember people saying, you know, when they first arrived in Los Angeles, in, in Hollywood, there was that great smell of orange blossom and, and smell of hope. Hope and, uh, and sadness too. There was one actress called Dorothy Janus who was in, uh, she was in The Pagan with Roman Navarro. And she said, Austin Howard, I'm no longer the person you seek. I haven't been Dorothy Janus since 1927, but I'm flattered and, and your penmanship's rather lovely and um, I feel prompted to write back to you. The family said it was the first time that they heard Grandma Dorothy's stories because she hadn't really spoken about her career. Before, but we seem to reignite that flame, that, that film star flame. There was there was one actress called uh, Judith Allen, and she was a star in uh, in movies at Paramount Studios in the 1930s. She was in Too Much Harmony with Bing Crosby and a film with W. C. Fields. She she dashed out into the desert in in the 1960s. Uh, her career had failed. She'd taken to the casting couch a few times a month thinking that would catapult her into something, you know, into a different stratosphere, as it were. And it failed. And then she got a reputation as being an easy, an easy lady. And she took herself into the desert and she, she lived at a religious commune. And she said she was finding peace there. She didn't find peace, it was torment. She, she, she missed, so missed her Hollywood career. She just felt that she'd blackened her name, as it were, that she'd, that she'd made all these errors. Because we were so young, and they knew that we were, would take their stories into the next century, and they were trying to offload as much as they could, people like Judith Allen, as Austin mentioned, who was, 
yes, absolutely tormented by uh, her career. But, you know, so many of these people, they were working at a time when it was the uh, stock market crash, the Great Depression. They lived through a lot and they weren't just supporting their parents. In some cases, they were supporting their family. So they had to do what they had to do in so many cases to, to keep the career going, to keep their names big, to be earning the salaries, much against their own wills in some cases. Hearing people talk to you over the telephone is one thing, but meeting them in person is another, but also realizing their frailties as well, because some of these people were extremely old. And I can remember Austin and I sitting in a restaurant waiting for an actress called Anita Page, who was one of the biggest stars at MGM during the 1930s arrive, on the arm of her carer, as it were, and shocked, really. I mean, we knew she was in her 90s, but just how frail she was, but impeccably dressed. You know, there was still the big blonde wig and a full face of makeup. And we had dinner with her at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And she said, I always come here because this is where the first Oscars was in 1928 and I was here. And at the end of the meal, she asked the waiter for the menu so she could autograph the menus. And she said, Rudolf Valentino started this, you know. So it was that, that idea, you know, we were caught in a picture almost. We drove directly to Palm Springs on that first trip to Los Angeles and we went to a party at Bob Hope's house about a week after we arrived. I remember leaving the party, getting back to the condo and kicking off your converse and, and having a beer and I said to Howard, nobody's asked us a thing about us. And it was almost as if they, they, were, they were rushing through and trying to tell you as much as possible. Bob Hope was an amazing character. He was, he was terribly old when uh, we met him. The house, it was a rich neutral house, and it looks like a, a giant mushroom that's crash-landed into, into the side of a cliff. But we didn't expect him to have a conversation with us. It was an intimate party for 250 people. There were the Georgia Gabor and um, Susan Fleming, who is married to Harpo Marx, uh, Audrey Meadows. But Howard wore this, this bright yellow suit, so he stood out. Bob Hope was sort of motioned me to come over, and I'm looking around, thinking he's probably talking to anyone but me. And I walked over to him, and he said, uh, I can see you. I can't see many people here, but I can see you. Oh, you're English. Well, I was born in Eltham, and of course, then that opened up a whole conversation. You're one of the twins, aren't you? Yes, yes, I know. I know who you are. Billy Duff has mentioned you, or Ginger's mentioned you. And I think movies define their lives. Um, movies in Hollywood. Movies in Hollywood define the lives of the actors we knew, and they've defined ours. We know people in their 30s where the glass is definitely half full and yet some of these people we knew in their 90s and beyond, they had such a youthful spirit and vigour, you know, they, they were years younger than their, their years, as it were. Mildred Shea was a 1930s ingenue. Mildred, in her mind, was Greta Garbo, but she never quite made it. Mildred was the only film star that I lived with for a long period of time. My wife, Joanna, and I were between flats, and I phoned Mildred once and said, can we stay for a couple of weeks? And a couple of weeks turned into 18 months. Mildred lived on vodka martini and crackers. And so Mildred said, I, I don't know how to cook. My last husband, Jeffrey, and I, the, the money ran out in the 1980s, and we went to a supermarket and bought a chicken and looked at it and thought, what do we do? 
So Mildred's extraordinary. When John and I first moved in with Mildred and she was living in Belgravia, Mildred used to get up at least an hour and a half before John and I to put on the makeup, the false eyelashes, the turban, float around in her dressing gown, Norma Desmond-esque. And by the end of us living together, she'd walk around with no clothes on. What we wanted to do is build a relationship with these people to understand their experiences. We were like a sponge, really, soaking it up. We couldn't get enough of it. There was a sadness, I suppose, to the story that 90% and one day 100% of the people we knew will no longer be here. And I think with, with Mildred Shea, Howard took Mildred back to California in 2005. She was dying and, and Howard waved goodbye to her and, and Mildred managed to struggle out of bed. Yeah, and she, she put on a swimming costume for the 1950s and she crawled out of the bedroom and clung onto the door as my taxi was outside and she just sort of winked and said, I'll see you around, kid. These, these movie stars, they were in a business that is obsessed with youth and they aged and they became no longer relevant, but they stayed. There was a movie actress called uh, Jennifer Jones and I said to her once, why do you stay in California? And she said, if one person on one day in one year says, didn't you used to be Jennifer Jones? It makes me happy and that's why I stayed. 